Chapter Twenty Three of Baseball Joe in the Central League by Lester Chadwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Donald Cummings. Chapter Twenty Three, The Tramp Again. Baseball again claimed the attention of Joe and his mates. They were working hard, for the end of the season was in sight, and the pennant ownership was not yet decided. Cleefield was still at the top of the list, but Pittston was crowding her hard, and was slowly creeping up. Sometimes this would be the result of her players' own good work, and again it would be because some other team had a streak of bad luck which automatically put Joe's team ahead. The young pitcher was more like himself than at any time since he had joined the club. He was really pitching great ball, and Gregory did not hesitate to tell him so. And more than this, Joe was doing some good work with the bat. His average was slowly but steadily mounting. Joe would never be a great performer in this line, and none realized it better than himself. No clubs would be clamoring for his services as a pinch hitter. On the other hand, many a pitcher in the big leagues had not Joe's batting average, though, of course, this might have been because they were such phenomenal twirlers and saved all their abilities for the mound. Also did Joe pay attention to the bases. He wished he was a southpaw at times, or a left-hand pitcher, for then he could more easily have thrown to first. But it was too late to change now, and he made up his mind to be content to work up his reputation with his good right arm. But even with that, he made some surprisingly good putouts when runners took chances and got too long a lead, so that throughout the circuit the warning began to be whispered, Look out for Matson when you're on first. Joe realized that a good pitcher has not only to play the game from the mound. He must field his position as well, and the failure of many an otherwise good pitcher is due to the fact that they forget this. Much of Joe's success at this time was due to the coaching and advice he received from Pop Dutton. The veteran could instruct if he could not pitch yet, and Joe profited by his experience. No reference was made by Joe to the night Pop had gone to the lodging house, nor did the old pitcher say anything to his young friend. In fact, he did not know Joe had had any hand in the matter. Pop Dutton went on his reformed way. He played the game, when he got a chance, and was increasingly good at it. Joe, he cried one day, when he had played a full game, we're getting there. I hope I'll soon be pitching. So do I added joe earnestly true the game pop had played at center for the full nine innings was with the near tail-enders of the central league but it showed that the veteran had come back sufficiently to last through the hard work how is your arm asked joe not good enough to use on the mound yet i'm sorry to say was pop's answer i guess i'll have to have that operation after all but i don't see how i can manage it I'm trying to pay back some of my old debts. Don't let that part worry you, spoke Joe quickly. If things turn out right, I may be able to help you. But you've done a lot already, Joe. I'll do more, if I can. Just wait until the close of the season, when we have the pennant. What Joe meant was that he would have the money for an operation on the pitcher's arm if the cash was not needed to put Mr. Matson's eyes in shape through the attention of a surgeon and this matter was still undecided, much to the worriment of Joe, his mother, and sister, to say nothing of his father. But it is necessary, in such matters, 
to proceed slowly and not to take any chances. Joe felt the strain. His regular salary was much needed at home, and he was saving all he could to provide for his father's possible operation. That cost would not be light. And then there was Pop Dutton to think of. Joe wanted very much to see the old player fully on his feet again. He did not know what to do, though, should all the money he might get from the pennant series be required for Mr. Matson. Well, I'll do the best I can, thought Joe. Maybe if Gregory and the others see how well Pop is doing, they'll take up a collection and pay for the operation. It oughtn't to cost such an awful lot. Joe shook his head in a puzzled way. Really, it was a little too much for him to carry on his young shoulders. But he had the fire of youth in his veins, and youth will dare much, which is as it should be, perhaps. Then, too, Joe had to be on edge all the time in order to pitch winning ball. No pitcher is, or can be, at top notch all the while. He can hardly serve in two big games in quick succession, and yet Joe did this several times, making an enviable record for himself. The rivalry between him and Colin grew, though Joe did nothing to inflame the other's dislike. But Colin was very bitter, and Pop gave Joe some warning hints. "'Oh, I don't believe he'd do anything underhanded,' said Joe, not taking it seriously. "'Well, be on the lookout,' advised the veteran. "'I don't like Colin, and never did.' There came a series of rainy days, preventing the playing of games, and everyone fretted. The players, even Joe, grew stale, though Gregory tried to keep them in form by sending them off on little trips when the grounds were too wet even for practice. Then came fine bracing weather, and Pittston began to stride ahead wonderfully. It was now only a question of whether Joe's team or Clevefield would win pennant honors, and, in any event, there would have to be several games played between the two nines to decide the matter. This was due to the fact that the league schedule called for a certain number of games to be played by each club with every other club, and a number of rainy days, and the inability to run off double-headers, had caused a congestion. Pittston kept on playing in good form, and Joe was doing finely. So much so that on one occasion, when a big league scout was known to be in attendance, Gregory said in a way that showed he meant it, Joe, they're going to draft you, sure. The larger or major league clubs, those rated as double-A, have, as is well known, the right to select any player they choose from a minor league, paying, of course, a certain price. Thus the big leagues are controllers, in a way, of the players themselves, for the latter cannot go to any club they choose, whereas any big league club can pick whom it chooses from the little or bush leagues. If two or more of the big clubs pick the same player, there is a drawing to decide who gets him. Well, I'm not worrying, returned Joe with a smile. After a most successful game in Washburg, which team had been playing good ball, the contest having been won by Pittston, Joe was walking across the diamond with Pop Dutton when the young pitchers saw approaching them the same tramp with whom his protege had entered the lodging house that night. Hello, Pop, greeted the shabby man. I want to see you. He leered familiarly. Pop Dutton stopped and gazed with half-frightened eyes at Joe. End of chapter 23